Hi everybody, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here at Lost Floors Church and welcome to our weekend services. We've been talking about generosity and what that looks like to live a generous life. And we talked last week, that's a pretty good way to live life. It's a life well lived. And we define generosity like this, freely giving or sharing of money or things of value, providing more than the amount needed. And today we're going to look at generosity compared to greed. And greed is defined like this, a selfish and excessive desire for something, money, power, or things, wanting more than is needed. So you can see that generosity and greed are complete opposites. If you're living a generous life, you're giving away more than is required. And if you're living a greedy life, you're holding on to more than is needed. Now, I want to also look at um, Proverbs chapter 11. We talked about this last week, and I think this does a good job of separating what it looks like to live a generous life and a greedy life. And here's what Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And so here we have this, this picture of that if you are going to live a generous life and you freely give, you become more wealthy. Now, this isn't just money, but this is time. It's love. It's kindness. It's compassion. All these things, if we freely give these, these things away and live a generous life, we become more wealthy. We get more back in return. The opposite is true of greed. If you're going to hold on and be stingy, you're going to end up losing everything. And again, that's not just money, but it is your time, your love, your kindness. If you are stingy and you don't freely give of these things, you won't get anything in return. I want to go to Luke chapter 12. And here is a place that Jesus warns us against greed. And so Luke 12, 13 through 15 says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And so here we hear Jesus warning us against greed. Beware of greed. And, and this idea that life is not about what we have. We are not defined by our, our things. Now, our culture, we very much are. We can't deny that. The nicer cars you have, the nicer home you have, the more things you have, you're looked at as, as wealthy or successful. And the problem with this is it leads to pride. The more you have, you are prideful of all your things. And we also tend to look down on those that don't have as much. And so really the question here is why, what causes greed? I mean, why do people become greedy? And I'm not saying just because you have lots of things, you're greedy. That, that's not what I'm saying. But, but what I'm saying here is why? Well, why do we collect more than we actually need? It, the first thing is fear. Fear that we won't have enough. 
That, that leads to, man, we're going to hoard things. We're going we're gonna to take as much as we can. We're going to hold on because we don't want to run out of money. There's actually a survey on over 100 millionaires were surveyed. And these weren't just like, hey, they have a million dollars. These were people that had $25 million or more to their name. And so the, actually the average was $78 million across these over 100 millionaires surveyed. And the majority of these extremely rich people did not feel financially secure. Now, how interesting is that? They, the majority of them didn't feel like they had enough. And so they needed more. And when they were asked, how much more do you need to feel financially secure? That the basic gist was we need about 25% more, then, then we'll feel good. In, in other words, they're never going to feel secure. They're never going to be able to go, ha, ah, I have enough. Because they've become, well, greedy in a way. They, they need more. They need more because they have this fear of not having. The other part of this is we hold on to things and say, look, I earned this. This is mine. I worked for this. And I'm not going to give this to someone that didn't earn it, that doesn't deserve this because I got this. This is mine. That, that's kind of the mentality of this. Now, I, I've seen this not just in rich people, but in all people. I've read once about a family that, that literally had no money. They literally had a few hundred dollars. And as the mom and dad got sick and the mom died and eventually the dad died just, just a year later, there was a good many kids, like eight kids, and they started breaking into the house and stealing possessions because they all wanted what was theirs. They all wanted what was coming to them and they had almost nothing. They were dirt poor. It literally split the family in two and created this, this horrible, this horrible divide in the family that was never, never mended all over greed. And they didn't have a lot of money, but what they did have, they were going to hang on to. And eventually, as Proverbs says, if you're going to hang on to it, you're eventually going to lose it. Now, Jesus goes on after he warns us against greed. And he goes on in Luke 12, 16 through 21 and says this. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So here we have this man in this story that has this great crop. And in our world's eyes, he does the wisest thing, right? He builds some big storage places and he, he puts it in these storage places so he has that security of always having this grain. And, and yet he's basically called this greedy man. And so the question is, what, what did the man do wrong? 
And as so we look at this in our world, it seems like he did the wise thing, right? In our world, we store things. In fact, our storage business is a $39.1 billion a year industry here in the United States. Isn't that amazing? So there's over 49,000 locations for self-storage places and 1.9 billion square feet of storage in our country. And so when we think we read this story, in all honesty, we go, well, that's pretty smart. This guy tears down his small barns, builds great big ones, and now he's got more storage, he's got more security, he's got more stuff to hang on to, right? And, and, and so, honestly, we have to look at this. We have to go, okay, why was this man greedy? What, why does Jesus call him greedy, and what did he do wrong? Well, as you read through the story, the first thing that he did wrong is he was focused on himself. That, that was his number one priority. Uh, the first thing he did is he focuses on himself. He even takes credit for the crop. Now, we know that you can throw seed out, and you, you can farm well and all that stuff, but in all reality, all that we have is because God allowed us to have it, right? There was no recognition to any workers, no recognition to God. It was all, look what I did. So that was his first problem. He was focused on himself. And then in his process of figuring out what to do, if you notice, he got advice from no one but himself. He was just talking to himself. He didn't ask God. He didn't pray. He didn't ask advice from one of his workers or a family member. He just did it all himself. This is a self-made man right here. He is self-focused on number one, himself. So that was the first thing that he did wrong. The second thing is he was focused on hoarding instead of investing. Now, what's the difference between hoarding and investing? So uh, recently I went to some people's house and I was walking up to their door and there's this whole row of these old cars that are covered in tarps. I mean, we're talking like Ford Broncos and these all these old cool cars from the 80s and the 70s, even back to the 60s. I mean, some of the coolest cars I've ever seen. And first question I asked is, man, what are you going to do with those? Oh, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with those. It, and then I started hearing that, oh, yeah, lots of people stop by all the time offering to pay for these cars to take them. And he, he doesn't want to. He, he's had them for over 15 years sitting in his front yard just covered with tarps doing nothing what he is doing is he's hoarding these cars <laughs> now i have a brother who loves to restore cars he buys old cars and he's always buying some old car but the difference is he buys them or he finds them and he restores them and him and his son actually they take time and they they invest in this car, they get a new paint job, they get new things, they build new motors, they, they get all, and by the end of it, this car is beautiful, and either they, they keep it and drive it, or they sell it and make probably a good bit of money from, from selling them in those situations. Because what they did with this, this hunk of metal is they invested their time, they invested their energy, they invested some love. They, they, they bonded over it, him and his son. It's kind of a cool thing. But you can see the difference from investing in something and just hoarding it. 
if you're hoarding it and you cover it with the tarp, really all it's doing is getting rusty and falling apart. No one ever benefits from it. No, no one ever gets anything out of it. You never get anything out of it other than space taken up. But when you invest in it, there's something that happens in that. Uh, there's a final product. There's more money made or there's there's this pride that goes with it. And, and see, the when we look at that farmer, what he did wrong is he hoarded it instead of investing it. How could he have invested his grain? Well, he has his own workers. It, it doesn't even mention his workers. He never mentions, hey, I'm so thankful for all my workers that helped me bring in all this grain. He wasn't doing it himself. You don't get that kind of harvest all by yourself. He never even mentions them. He could, he could have been investing in them and their families and giving them some of the extra grain. He could have invested in the poor that, that were around his farm or in the city. He could have invested in them and, and helped the needy and make it a better community. He could have invested in his relationship with God. He could have given some to the temple, the local church. And, and, and so in this, if you notice at the very end, he's, Jesus says, this is what happens with someone that that keeps everything, is rich towards only themselves, but not rich towards God. They have no relationship with God. And, and, and so this man had no interest in investing in his relationship with God. What, what if we kind of take this story and we think about this and we go, well, what if our first thought, instead of what can I collect and what can I store and what can I do with what I have, what if it became, who can I help? Who can I invest in? We have time. We have love, kindness, compassion. We, we have money. What can we do with these things that we, we have, they all have value. How can we invest those in people around us, in the community around us, in our own family, in our neighborhoods, in our churches? How can we invest what can I do to help those around me? That's the idea of living a generous life. We go back to Proverbs 11, give freely and become more wealthy. And that's what living a generous life is. Who can I invest in? Who, who can I go and, and give time to? Who can I give my love to or my kindness to? Maybe the, the older lady that lives down the street, maybe she needs some help or, or maybe it's someone in our community that just needs some, some time and some love. But when we live a generous life, we give those things freely away, we become more wealthy. We benefit from investment compared to hoarding it, right? Those who refresh others will also be refreshed. That's probably my favorite line of Proverbs chapter 11. Those who refresh others will also be refreshed. After I, I left high school football and went on to college, I, I struggled with my coaches. My, my dad was my high school coach, and I loved having my dad as my coach. He was, he was so invested in his players. But, but I remember it was my junior year of college and I hadn't had much luck with coaches. And, and we got this new coach. He was just the quarterback coach and he was retired from a local high school. His name was Coach Johnson. And I, I remember one of the first 
practices. He, he was kind of a quiet guy, pretty pretty serious, he, so it seemed on the surface. And while we're stretching out, getting ready for practice, we would we would talk. And I remember asking him about his career as a high school coach and telling him about my dad. And, and he'd coached for over 40 years in high school. And I was like, wow. And, and I remember asking him, why are you doing this? Why did you come here to our college to to coach us and he said because I want to invest in you I want to invest in the players on this team and I was so profoundly impacted by that that a guy I don't know how much money he was making probably not very much but he wanted he, he didn't want to just quit he wanted to come and he wanted to invest in us that's a generous life I, I love that philosophy in life. It doesn't matter how old you are or, or, or where you're at in life, you can always invest in other people. You can always be generous with your time, with your energy, with your resources, and it's the best way to live life. Jesus had something to say about this. And, and in Luke chapter 10, just a couple chapters before this story about this, this farmer, we have this this story that Jesus tells, and, and it comes from a question. Uh, someone asked Jesus what the most important commandment was, and of course, we know that. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the guy that was asking knew that already, so he then comes back with Jesus, well, who is your neighbor? And Jesus tells this amazing story. And it's a story of a Jewish man that's walking from one location to another. And as he's walking down the road early in the morning, he gets he gets beat up and gets robbed. They take his money and his things, and they leave him basically naked, beat up on the side of the road. These bandits do. And pretty soon, a, a priest, the, the pastor of a church, comes walking down, and he sees the man naked and and beaten up on the side of the road, obviously robbed. And what does the priest do? He looks, checks his watch. says, ah, I don't have time for this. Goes to the other side of the road and keeps on going. A little bit later, a Levite comes along. A Levite is just an assistant to the priest, so an associate pastor at the church. And here he comes, and he sees the same situation. He looks around. No one's around. Man, I don't have time for this. My schedule's booked up. And so he goes to the other side of the road and goes on. And, and then Jesus throws this, this twist into this story. And he says, now here comes a Samaritan. Now we have to understand Samaritans were the arch enemy of Jewish people. It, so Samaria, where the Samaritans lived, Jewish people, if you were a good Jew, you wouldn't even walk on the soil of Samaria. You'd walk around it, which added a lot of time to your trip, but you weren't about to walk even through Samaria. I mean, those are the worst people on earth, right? And and so here, here we have a Samaritan walking down the road. The Samaritan sees the same situation as the priest and the Levite. But the difference here is the Samaritan doesn't check his watch and figure out how, how he can get out of this. He goes over to the man and he bandages up his wounds. He puts some clothes on him, and he puts them on his own horse. And, and he takes his own, this man and his horse, and he takes him to an inn. 
And when he gets to the end, he asks the man, can we get a room for this man? And, and he pays for the room. And, he, and then he leaves extra money so the innkeeper can continue to take care of this man. And, and you have to understand, the Samaritan and the Jew were, were enemies. The, the Samaritan knew that this Jew wouldn't even like him. And yet he treats him with this love and respect. And, and you can see, as you look at this story, what Jesus was pointing out, who is your neighbor? What the Jewish person wanted to hear is, Jews are our neighbors. That's who we love. We don't love outsiders. We don't love those people. But here Jesus says, no, if you want to live a generous life, then it doesn't matter who it is. They're your neighbor, even if you think they're your enemy. And, and if they're your neighbor, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to give some time love, kindness, compassion, money. You're going to invest in this neighbor. That's how you love somebody, right? You invest in them. And it doesn't matter if they're like you or unlike you or if they like you back. That's our neighbor and that's how we love them. It, just like we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, we're investing in God, right? That's investing in that relationship with God. That goes back to the story of the farmer. If you want to be rich in this relationship with God, then invest time in it. Invest resources in it. Invest your heart and your soul into it. And then if you want to continue living a generous life, invest in your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And how do you show someone you love them? Well, you invest in them. You are generous with them. So today, I would just ask you just to stop and think about, are we, are we hoarding our most valuable resources or are we investing them? And, and as we think about that, we need to ask ourselves, who can we be investing in? How can we invest our our money and our time, our, our love, our compassion? How can we be investing in those around us? And maybe, maybe you already have somebody in mind or something in mind that you can do to invest in your neighborhood or your family or your community. And I would ask you this week just to live generously. Give more than is required.